We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Patton. Jason, it looked like the Bulls might have been able to backdoor their way into another victory against the Boston Celtics. But their comeback came up just short. Bulls lose 107 to 99, falling in Boston. The Bulls had entered the game as winners of eight of their last 11. They mostly played pretty poorly throughout this game. The headline news will be the injury to DeRozan. I believe it was early in the second half when DeRozan went down. He had 13 points in the first 23 minutes. He was uh, really pacing the Bulls offense throughout the early portion of this game when Zach Levine was off to a very cold start shooting-wise. DeRozan goes down on a non-contact injury. Uh, it didn't look super bad, and uh, I don't know what the Bulls have called the official diagnosis. Was it a quad strain, Jason? Yeah, quad so strain, I We'll believe. have to just wait and see what DeMar's status is moving forward. But without him in the lineup, the Bulls went on a pretty nice run in the fourth quarter there, got this down to a one-possession game. Uh, late in the game, but the Bulls still come up short. Celtics win 107-99 in a game that, yeah, both teams played pretty poorly. This will go down as another clutch loss for the Bulls, I guess, because it was a two-point game with 50 seconds left. Uh, Bulls got hot shooting the ball in the fourth quarter. Zach Levine finally woke up. Uh, We like to see 13 three-point attempts. I'm sure we'll talk more about that after his last two games. Very hot shooting from the field, but he only made four when four for four for 13 from deep. Uh, Vooch also hit some pretty big shots, especially in the fourth quarter. Vooch, uh, a nice night, 21 points, 13 rebounds. Uh, He's continued the success he's had against the Celtics all year, even with uh, this being the first time they had to go against Robert Williams. So, yeah, tough loss. It would have been fun if they could have somehow stole this one and been 3-1 and against the Celtics on the year, but instead Bulls lose. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, I mean, 
I don't feel too bad. I mean, that was a good effort to come back, coming off a three-game winning streak where they've been legitimately playing, I mean, really well. I mean, and we haven't, Ricky, we have not talked on this podcast. I think since, was it after the Rockets we did, was the last time we potted together? And, like, they've obviously, I can't remember exactly, but obviously you were gone last week, but they've played just a lot better of late. The great Nets win, good win on the road against the Sixers, even without Embiid. And then uh, the last game was a really was a really strong win. I'm totally blanking on who the hell that was against. That was, who, the, who was the last game against? I'm blanking. Uh, the last game was, of course, against Utah. Utah, right? Yes, and they they went nuts in the fourth quarter. Uh, and like Zach, I mean everyone, Zach, Pat, Kobe, uh, they just went. They went. I think they shot 15 of 19 from the field in that fourth quarter, and it looked like they were about to do that shit again. Like they've been just getting these streaks of offense because we've complained so much about their offense all season. But basically, in the last 10 to 15 games, they have one of the best offenses in the NBA. And tonight, they were not good. Like I said, as you said, they were not good offensively most of tonight. So was not even close. Uh, they just really didn't have much going through long stretches in this game. And at one point, they were down 15. Got, it was about three minutes left in the third. They go down 15. It looked like they were about to get run out of the gym. Then the Celtics kind of started dicking around. You could tell that they were just like not playing serious basketball, at least offensively. They were, they were chucking threes and bricking all night. They let Zach come in for that uh, putback dunk off a free throw miss. Uh, and then the fourth quarter, Zach started doing his thing again, and Vooch hit that clutch 3-2. Zach hits a few big shots. And it basically comes down to uh, Grant Williams and Al Horford hit two big threes down the stretch. Both of those kind of got some friendly bounces for the Celtics. Zach's game-tying mid-range shot in and out. Uh, and that basically ended up being the difference was the couple friendly rolls the Celtics got and Zach's just – Last game tying shot just did not go down. He missed a couple of the, at the end there after he started, I think, five of five in the fourth. So, I um, mean, that's what happens when you get in a hole. You have to play, basically play perfectly. Uh, the Celtics get, gave the Bulls a chance by their offense just kind of totally getting stuck in the mud and just bricking threes, some bad turnovers for them. They just kind of seemed like they kind of took the foot off the gas pedal there in the fourth. But the Bulls, they made they made another run. And if they, uh, they would have won that, somehow pulled that game, I would have started saying stupid stuff about where the Bulls are going. I think we still. The last few games, they've been playing better for sure lately. Some of the shooting is not sustainable. Zach's not going to shoot. I mean, we saw him shoot four of 13 tonight. He's not going to be shooting 50% from three. But it has been nice to see him play much better lately. Hopefully, DeMar is okay. He's been such an Iron Man. And I, and I talked recently about how the Bulls, like, while the Lonzo injury has been brutal, like, Zach, DeMar, and Vooch, I think, have only missed, like, three or four combined games this year. And that was, like, Zach just basically doing load management with the, the knee earlier this year. They, otherwise, I mean, they've been there together all season. So if DeMar misses time, uh, that will obviously be a tough blow, especially, I mean, I guess it's good that the schedule is lightening up here, but ultimately we'll talk about some big picture stuff in a second here. But tonight, can't fault the effort. They didn't play great. Celtics are an elite defensive team when they're locked in. They started Robert Williams tonight. You saw some of the impact he made early in the game. Uh, and even though the Celtics didn't shoot very well from three, was that helped the Bulls, but strong effort overall. Just didn't play well enough. They didn't do well enough uh, to get out of the hole. Yeah, I mean, Bulls could have won this game if DeRozan doesn't get hurt, right? Like, we already saw him have, what, a 48-point game against the Celtics earlier this season. That was also in Boston. I feel like DeRozan's just been consistently really great against the Celtics this year, and he was off to an awesome start, so... Uh, we'll wait on DeMar. Hopefully he's okay. I have been a little morbidly curious to see what the Bulls could look like without DeMar. Obviously, I didn't want him to get hurt. I thought, you know, maybe they could rest him for a game or two doing their own load management in that way. 
and what we saw from the Bulls without DeMar was mostly just Zach and Vooch taking over the offense. I was kind of hoping that maybe Patrick Williams would take yeah. a little bit bigger offensive burden on his shoulders. And I thought Pat kind of had a mixed bag game today. Finished with 10 points, uh, went three of five from deep, which is good. Continues to look confident as a shooter. Uh, but, you know, just offensively, only eight shots, three of eight from the field. Like, you just want to see a little bit more assertive, which everyone who talks about the Bulls has been saying since Pat showed up in town. I will say that I thought Pat looked pretty good defensively for the most part. Had three steals. He continues to be really strong at the nail. He has very strong hands and being able to force turnovers. The Bulls use Pat mostly as a wing stopper without Lonzo around. And, uh, you know, Jason Tatum was getting buckets uh, pretty easily tonight, but finished with 32 points on 10 to 21 shooting early in this game. It felt like Tatum was going to go for 50. I mean, he was absolutely on fire. Yeah. Uh, Pat struggled defensively early and with some team defense. I feel like they got lost on some switches and some screens and Tatum got free a few times, a few times too many. Luckily he missed some looks as well um, for sure. So, but yes, I mean, he ended up, what do you say? He ended up with 32. It did look like it was, I think he had like 10 points in the first few minutes. Um, speaking of Pat, let's just answer this question here from Clayton. He said, where do you guys fall in the spectrum of P will to P won't? Because I mean, again, we, we haven't a bit, a couple of these games, these nice wins here. He was awesome against Brooklyn. Uh, and then he was awesome. He fouled it up with another really strong game. He's had some really nice games here lately. Again, tonight, 10 points, only eight shots. Did get up five threes. Five three-pointers is, I think, a good number for him. Five or six. We've talked about that. Just didn't really do much else offensively. He did. I think he missed his first like three or four shots, and then he hit a couple really nice stretch in the second quarter. So I guess just in general, including this game over the last week where he had some really nice games, just how are you feeling about Pat? And I guess to answer this question, on the spectrum of P-Will to P-Won't, where are you? Yeah, I think Pat's playing a little bit better. One thing I noticed in this game is he was setting a lot of screens, especially in the middle portion of the game. Yeah. I wish the Bulls would look for him more as yes. a role on those opportunities because, you know, when he gets going downhill and when he gets some positive momentum, that's when he can really, like, use his power as an athlete to attack the basket. And Like, when you're looking at Patrick Williams, probably the best thing he has going for him is just a powerful frame. Like, he should be able to be a force rolling towards the basket Uh setting some screens which i like to see but the bulls just don't hit him enough on those opportunities in general i think pat's playing a little better for sure i mean since the last time me and you did this podcast he had his career high or season high at least against brooklyn when he put in 22 points in that game uh then got really hot in the second half of the sixers game where he basically had like what one point or something or zero points at halftime and then ended with 18 yeah uh, you were hoping he could build off those two games, but, you know, kind of a disappointing game against Utah and then what we've seen for the majority of this season from Pat, which is 10 points a game. That's what he's averaging on the year. Uh, that's what he had That's what he had today. The thing that's most yeah. encouraging to me about Pat is that I think we can say he's a legitimately pretty good defensive player this year. Like, he was always touted as a good defender, but it felt like his defensive value was perhaps a little bit more theoretical than tangible. Well, if you look at uh, EPM on the website Dunks and Threes, it's an all-in-one stat that'll measure, you know, offensive impact, defensive impact, and all-around impact. So Patrick Williams currently grades out as a minus 2.0 offensively, which puts him in the 34th percentile of the league. But defensively, Pat's a plus 1.1. 
So that's the 85th percentile of the league. He looks like a legitimately solid defensive player. And I think like Pat was even plus two uh, up until a couple games ago. So I thought he played pretty well defensively tonight. I think that he definitely has sort of defined strengths and weaknesses. He got hung up on a couple screens. That's been a theme throughout his career. He's just not a very nimble guy from his athletic ability. He's more of like a powerful force, uh, especially when he has some momentum. So uh, I think that what we wanted to see from Pat coming into this year is just development. And I do think he's developed on the defensive end. I think offensively he's shown he can really shoot, but God, it's the same problems he's had since he's entered the league, which is that his shot is so slow, it really minimizes how impactful his shooting can be. Like, you look at his numbers right now, Pat's shooting 41.3% from three and 91% from the foul line. But he's only taking three and a half attempts per game from three. He almost never gets to the free throw line. So Pat definitely has some indicators that he can be a pretty good player moving forward, I think. But, uh, you know, we need to see more from him for sure. And to me, that starts with quickening the release on his three-point shot. You look around the league, all these other teams have their guys doing catch and shoot, no dip. Basically, like, just think of the way you would shoot a basketball if if someone made you a pass. You catch it, you dip it, you shoot it. Well, in the NBA, against, you know, elite athleticism, elite length closing out on you, you just don't have enough time to dip it. And Pat has such a long dip and a slow release. The Bulls have to address that because, you know, this guy could potentially be a pretty damn good shooter if he could maintain his accuracy while while quickening his release. Right now he shoots too slow to make it over any sort of hard contest. Uh, but I just, I've been saying it all year on the podcast, Jason. I just want more of Pat. Like, I want more of him as a roller. I want him to shoot more threes. I want him to just get more field goal attempts, even if he's shooting in mid-range, uh, because he continues to be a pretty tantalizing talent. I don't even say this guy's a future superstar or the next Kawhi Leonard. But, you know, if you look at his just baseline scouting report, he should be a power forward who can add a little bit of rim protection uh, with his shot blocking ability, be able to hit an open catch and shoot three, and then give you a little off the dribble in terms of his own like self-created looks, whether he's attacking from mid-range or maybe getting to the basket. He's got a little bit of talent as a role man as well. So he's got like a lot of pieces that make him look like he should be pretty good theoretically, uh, but he's still got to put it all together and, you know, still only 21 years old, but this is his third season. You just hope to see it with a little bit more consistency. Yeah, I will say encouraging. You mentioned like the Sixers game where he was, I think he, I can't remember what he was shooting at halftime. He was having a terrible game. Absolutely nothing in the first half. And then he's like the the thing with him is he usually gets off to the good starts and then he stinks it up and then he already just totally goes invisible in the second half. Not always his fault, but that's been the thing. But that game did nothing in the first half and then he shot like seven of seven in the third quarter as the Bulls just totally pulled away where him and Zach just went off. And then in the Jazz game where he was legitimately t- terrible start, I think he missed his first seven shots of the game. Him and Kobe. Uh, some huge buckets when the Bulls it looked like the Bulls were going to lose that Jazz game. They were they were not playing well. Second night of a back to back, they were down seven early in the fourth quarter. They weren't able to stop any dribble penetration. They looked kind of dead in the water. 
Pat hit a couple huge threes, and one of them actually was like a contest, semi-contested uh, shot. Like he usually does not take because, as you said, the release is slow. I feel like he's usually just like not comfortable taking those shots, and he took one and he made it, and that kind of helped jumpstart the Bulls' run. He made another one later, so I think that was encouraging. Where he was having a terrible night, but no hesitation to shoot some uh, big threes in the fourth quarter. So. Starting slow and kind of turning around, but it's a nice little flip from what we've seen where he will get off to these hot starts and and then does absolutely nothing the rest of the night. Um, so yeah, like he's it definitely is just kind of like see, it was nice to see him get whatever 40 points over two games because a couple of weeks ago I'd been it just seems it feels like every pat game is the same where he start he gets a few buckets early, then they go away from him and he just ends up with like like eight to 12 points, like a couple rebounds, and like that's it. But to finally get a few other big big games there were 20, 22 points, 18 points. I know the last couple have been more quiet, but even then uh, some big shots and some big plays. Nice to see that. As you said, the consistency needs to be there a little more. He has gotten better. Like, yeah, I, I'm certainly, I've been skeptical of, of his like ceiling as a, whatever, a superstar player. I don't know if that's going to happen. It's on this roster as it is right now, obviously like it's just really tough for him to really, really pop like that. But um, I guess if DeMar does miss time, as you said, maybe I certainly don't want to see DeMar miss time, but if he does, hope maybe that will mean more, Pat. Looks like from Billy Donovan after the game on DeMar, by the way, he said DeMar told him he felt like he got tripped on the play that produced the quad strain. DeRozan felt okay initially, but di- didn't feel right as he played on it for a bit. It d- doesn't really say anything, I guess. I, f- I feel like though those kind of like muscle injuries usually end up costing guys at least a few games, maybe even a few weeks. Obviously, we hope it's not anything totally serious. Um, and it's not too long, but I mean, I feel like we have to expect DeRozan to maybe a game or two, maybe a couple games here that close the week, but we'll see. Maybe he'll, maybe it won't be a thing, but, um, I guess that's just what we have to hope for. And that, though, again, it will be interesting to see. Like we've talked about it when we talk about, like, we'll talk about this in a little bit about what the Bulls should do here coming up. But like, if the Bulls were to trade tomorrow, like I've always assumed that they would just kind of fall apart, but I don't know, maybe they'd play a lot different. That's for sure. So if DeMar does not play. We'll we'll see uh, see how the offense looks and just how the team plays without him. Um, and also, I guess if Demar does miss more time, we that will obviously mean a lot more Zach Levine too. And Zach Levine has been much better lately. Uh, Uncle Stanley McGoober here at the comment that Zach's all around play has been really encouraging. That's the most important five years of the Bulls. Uh, Ricky, what have you? We've talked we've talked ad nauseum about Zach shooting more threes, and we got the quote from Billy after last game that, oh, you know, I'd love Zach to take 10 to 15 threes per game. And I was like, has Billy been listening to us? And, like, Zach's been flaming hot from three. He wasn't as good today, but he got 13 up. Some of those are probably a little more forces than we'd like, but especially once DeMar got out, we knew Zach would be doing a lot of stuff with the ball in his hand, and he caught fire there at the end. But uh, we've talked about off-ball Zach, catch-and-shoot Zach, stuff like that. Um, show it, I was looking at the stats uh, over the weekend. Zach's been one of the best uh, catch-and-shoot three-point three-point shooters in the league this year was at like 47 48 not sure what it's at after tonight but like he's only been taking i think three or four of those shots per game would love to see the, that rise up but just in general zach has looked much better he's talked about how he feels a lot better feels more like himself so where are you at with zach right now because obviously we were pretty down on him at the start of the year when he was clearly struggling coming off that surgery but he does seem to look more like himself now the pop is back a bit more his three-point shooting has come fully back uh, what are your thoughts on Zach right now, just in moving forward? Okay, so first of all, I tried to say this earlier, but I was oh. accidentally on mute. This this tweet from Will Gottlieb blew my mind yesterday. As a quick aside, before we get into Zach, he said, yeah. I bet 
and Vooch have combined to take one three the entire year with the nearest defender closer than four feet away. Will said defenses don't close out against them, which means they're never in rotation. The floor spacing burden falls entirely on Zach. He needs to keep shooting. And that's exactly right. And like one thing I've noticed with the Bulls big three and when people have said like, you know, why do Vooch, DeMar and Zach sort of struggle together? When you look at like the net rating, those guys are typically getting outscored. Uh, You know, they got outscored last year. They got outscored. They've been getting outscored this year uh, quite a bit too. And I think it's because opposing defenses just don't guard the whole floor against the Bulls. Like they know Vooch, Pat, or they know Vooch, DeMar, and Zach are three really high volume offensive players. Lately, they've been putting up good numbers, uh, you know, over the last month or so. But the thing I see is just like the lack of shooting on this team is so apparent because it feels like opposing defenses only need to guard half the floor. They just need to account for those guys. And if Io's on the perimeter, I mean, he's probably not going to take an open shot. He's probably going to catch it and travel. If Pat's on the perimeter and you give him a hard closeout, he's not going to take the shot. He's going <laughs> to turn it down, try to go into a mid-range, pass the ball, or travel. Uh, so it really does make the three star lives much harder. feels weird to even be calling Vooch a star at this point, right? Like, he's solid, but he's not really a star. Uh, anyways, it really is on to just get the threes up. So I love to see Zach go 4-13, to be honest, because I'd rather have him go 4-13 than, you know, 2 for 7 or whatever, uh, because he just yeah. needs to get the three PAs up. The team is dead last in the league in three-point attempts. They're like 27th in the league in three-point make. Zach is the only above-average shooter on the entire team. I'm not going to put Pat in that category yet, despite the percentages, because his shot's just too slow, and it doesn't have a lot of utility uh, when you know he can't get the attempts up. So Zach is a sick shooter. Zach is one of the best shooters in the NBA. Uh, you look at his stats, so he was basically like, around 36 percent uh last time i checked his numbers that was probably at the beginning of december now he's at 40.5 percent i'm not sure if that accounts for tonight's game when uh obviously he made 30 percent of his threes by going four of 13 but it's just encouraging for zach to see the three-point percentage tick up he should be a high volume 40 percent three-point shooter and uh you know if that percentage falls off a little bit then it should be because the attempts get really hot we want to see him take 10 attempts a game because that's when, uh, you know, 10 or more attempts per game because that's when Zach's really good. The other thing I've been a bit encouraged by is he just seems a little bit better going to the rim. Now, I know today, like, he got stuffed by Robert Williams. Uh, still... Yeah. He stuffs it, a lot. So I felt like Zach's Sorry. finishing today wasn't great. <laughs> I don't have the shooting chart in front of me. But on the year, he's 67% at the rim, which is – basically right in line with his career averages. It's crazy to say because it seems like he struggled so much finishing at the rim, but according to Cleaning the Glass, 67% this year. Last year, he was 69%. Uh, So he has been finishing better at the rim. My big thing with Levine is that he needs to cut out the mid-range shots because we have enough guys on this team who shoot from mid-range. According to Cleaning the Glass, Zach takes 28% of his field goals from mid-range, which ranks in the 64th percentile of his position. Uh, When he had that great game a couple nights ago uh, against the Sixers, he took, or no, it was against Utah, I think. 
21 shots and only in ninth and only two of them were mid 15 of his 21 shots were threes or at the rim. And that's what I want to see out of Zach on a nightly basis. I want double digit threes and I want the rest of his shots at the rim. And if he's going to go into his mid range game, you know, you could get one or two of those a game, but mostly like DeRozan's going to work from the mid range. Vooch is going to work from like, you know, the high post. A lot of times uh, Pat likes to get into the mid range groove. Like, the Bulls need rim pressure, and they need threes, and that's what Zach does. That's why they paid Zach a max contract. They didn't give him a max contract for his defense or his passing or his crunch time ability. They gave it to him because he can fucking rip threes at high volume, and he gets to the rim and can finish efficiently at the rim. So good to see Zach uh, tick up lately. And, you know, here's the thing about Zach Levine, Jays. He's 27 years old. People were talking about him like the dude was cooked. And yeah, he was slow to recover from the injury, but the reason the Bulls signed Zach to that contract is because they have him for his 27 season, 28, 29, 30, 31. I mean, this should be the prime of his career, right? When he still has, uh, you know, most of his athleticism, and now he's gained a little bit more refinement in his skill set and hopefully a little bit more levity in his decision-making process on the court. So, uh you know, Zach is very good. And even if he's a little bit overpaid on the max, he's still a great scorer. We just need to see Zach be the best version of Zach. I don't think that like Zach needs to take some huge level up for him to be worth the contract. I think he just sort of needs to be the Zach we've seen the last few years. And right now it looks like he's going to get back to it. Yeah, absolutely. I to- obviously totally agree about the, uh, the shot selection and, the, and just like the shot profile. Uh, like if Zach sent range, like it's going to, it's got to be like the, the, the mid range shot he took to tie the game tonight that he just missed. I thought was fine. I feel like he got to a good spot on the court, just rimmed out. It's like that early clock, like stuff from like the top of the key where you just chuck it. Like that's just awful. Like if you're going to do that, just take the step back and launch a three instead. But I'd rather not have many, as many of those either, unless he's really cooking. Like he did have a few of those today. Um, and then obviously we've talked about working him off the ball, talked about using him. I mean, when DeMar is out, that's tough, more difficult to do when the Bulls don't have another high profile, like uh, whatever ball handler, creator, like the ball's got to be in Zach's hands a bit more then. Um, but when DeMar is there, like using him as like, as I've talked, called him like a souped up Clay Thompson, just running him off screens, getting him running up, playing him off DeMar. DeMar's ISO is playing him off DeMar and Vooch if they're running pick and roll together. Um, so hopefully they keep doing stuff like that. We've seen him seen those threes kind of tick up lately. Hopefully we see that more. Yeah. And Jay, this, to me, this is like one of the biggest criticisms of Donovan is like manufacture ways to get Zach more catch and shoot threes. He's shooting like 47% yeah. on catch and shoot threes. I think you had a stat. I don't know if you tweeted this or you just like sent me a message on it that like basically Clay Thompson is leading the league in. Yeah. I tweeted that this weekend. Go ahead. Catch and shoot three point attempts. And it was like over six a game. Clay's at like seven and a half a game, three catch and shoot threes. That's how many Zach takes total, total, including yeah. his pull up. So, uh, yeah, I think this offense needs to really tap into Zach's movement shooting. It is Zach's best skill. Uh, I guess it's on Donovan and it's on the front office to get Zach playing that way. But you know what? That's why I'm encouraged about a four for 13 game tonight because hey at least he took 13 threes that's what i want to see and uh while yeah 
catch and shoot shots, spot ups are more efficient than pull ups. I'll even take the pull ups from Zach. Like John Hollinger had a tweet, like sort of criticizing Zach for uh, a pull up yeah. three he took late against the Nets. Of course, the Bulls still won that game, but you know, easy to look at that shot and be like, there's 14 seconds on the shot clock. Uh, you know, it was a contested game at that point. Like, it was a contested shot when he took it. Zach should get a better look. To me, I was not mad about that shot because the Bulls need to shoot threes, and Zach's the best shooter on the team. So he can take pull-ups too. Obviously, you would prefer to get him spot-ups off movement, but if he's going to take pull-ups, I'm fine with that as well. Yeah, I mean, the amount of pull-ups he's taken is generally fine. It's just getting those catch-and-shoots up. We talk about him taking 10, 10, like 15 is ambitious, but like 10 threes a game, I think, is a reasonable amount. So when he's taking 3.6 catch-and-shoots a game, get that up to 6. So that, that adds 2.4 a game, and that gets him to basically 10 total three-pointers a game. And I feel like that makes perfect sense. You basically split it in half where you get him to 5 or 6 catch-and-shoot threes, 5 or 6 pull-ups a game. 10 to 12 three-pointers a game. I think that makes all the sense in the world for him. And we'll see if it keeps going, especially now that he's shooting better. Hopefully, he, and now that Billy has come out and literally said, like, I would love him to be shooting that many times, like maybe he takes that to heart. And I mean, we saw him take 13 tonight, So we will see. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, let's talk a little more big picture now, Ricky, since the Bulls have been playing better lately. As you mentioned, eight out of they were eight and three in their last eleven since the Timberwolves debacle. They almost win tonight, fall just short. They're still nineteen and twenty-two because of the hole they dug themselves in, which is I think they're ninth or tenth in the East right now, right on the edge of the play. And there's just kind of that jumble with like the Hawks, the Heat. Uh the Pacers have been playing good lately. The Knicks have been playing pretty well lately. So the Bulls are still a few games behind those teams when we're talking about like the race for the sixth seed. But uh, I mean, they've been, again, they've been one of the best offenses in the NBA the last couple weeks. Zach looks much better. We'll see what happens with DeMar in this injury. Vooch has been shooting the lights out as well. Like so far in 2023, I think he's like over 60%. And he was had another really nice game today. Um, so does, has anything changed in your mind about what this team needs to do this season? I, I think even with the big wins and they've, I mean, they've ended the net streak. 
They went to Philly and ended that streak there. Joel beat Caveat aside. Obviously, he did not play, so they did not end that streak. But the Bulls have put, picked up some legitimately big wins. We know they've had some struggles against bad teams, uh, but they took care of business against a slumping Jazz team. Again, they're 8-4 and four in their last 12 since the Timberwolves debacle. Has anything changed in your mind about what this team can be this year, about what they should do? Because now we are, today right now, it is January 9th. We are exactly one month from the trade deadline. So where are you at with the team now? I said the last time we talked, we were, I believe we were down on them. Because I think that was the Rockets game or a little right after that. Here's the next 12 games for the Bulls. At Wizards, then home against the Thunder, home against the Warriors, who don't really win on the road very often, but they will have they will stuff, have stuff back. back though, yeah. I think. Yeah. Home against Detroit, that's the game in Paris, so that's not really home. Home against the yeah. Hawks, at the Pacers, at the Hornets, at the Magic, home against the Clippers, home against the Hornets, home against Portland, home against the Spurs. So I believe one, two, three, four, five, Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. That's the next twelve. Uh, Jason, they got to win minimum eight of those games. Probably nine. Yeah. And if they do that, they're going to be in position to possibly get the six seed uh, because there's only five good teams in the East. And the six seed in the East right now is the <laughs> Indiana Pacers. Who would have thought that coming into the season? The Pacers at twenty three and eighteen right now would make the playoffs without going it through the plan. I think the Bulls can absolutely get up to the sixth seed in the East. If that happens, I think they're, you know, they're either playing Brooklyn, Cleveland, or Milwaukee, most likely in the playoffs. Is it weird that I want to play Boston? Like, I think they match up pretty <laughs> no. well against Boston. Also, it would feel like they have nothing to lose. Like the Celtics, uh, while they have been struggling a bit lately, like they got the best point differential in the conference. Uh, they're just like, they've been a really good team, obviously, dating back to the start of last season. So I would sort of, I would would not want to see the Bucks at all. I would not want to see the Cavs. I would not want to see the Sixers. Give me Nets or Celtics if you're going to play them in the playoffs. But also, I'm not totally off the let's make some trades bandwagon in terms of subtraction. Some people might not want to hear this, but, you know, I think a guy like Alex Caruso could be a prime trade candidate. Uh, should have a wide trade market around the league. I think you should be able to get at minimum one first round pick for him. And really the Bulls just need some, some more future assets, some more utility. Caruso is a guy who is awesome and at times superhuman. He also has sort of been an eyesore offensively this year. Uh, he's always hurt. He's always he's hurt. So yeah. you could trade Caruso, get a future pick. I think that that might be a good move. I also would not rule out trading DeMar. Like, if you get a really good offer for DeMar, his trade value is never going to be higher. Obviously, DeMar's phenomenal. I love DeMar. He was an A-plus signing, one of the best Chicago sports free agents ever. Uh, And he's totally outplayed the contract they gave him. But is he going to outplay the next contract they give him? That's my question. And this team, with sort of limited upside, as currently constructed, you know, if you get a couple first-round picks for DeRozan and a first-round pick or two for Caruso or a first-round pick and a player, I honestly might do that. I, I would do it probably. And then you are building the team around Zach and Pat. Hopefully Pat takes a little bit of a step up offensively. Uh, you know, you still got Io here. You still got Dalen Terry. And you would just have some more outs in team building. Because now 
if the Trailblazers don't make the playoffs, it's like, okay, when exactly are the Bulls going to be picking again? Like, they don't own their 2025, maybe, which is top eight protected to the Spurs for the DeRozan trade. Uh, You know, they're going to miss out on their own first-round pick this year, most likely, unless they miss the playoffs and get super lucky in the lottery. So if they were to do like a half reset, trade DeRozan at his highest value, trade Caruso at his highest value, both of those right now, you could move off Vooch just because he's expiring, maybe try to find a rim protector, an actual rim protector uh, to play with Zach next season. I would be totally open to that, Jason. Now, I don't think the Bulls are going to do it. I think that DeMar DeRozan is going to finish the season on the Bulls. But, man, like when you start thinking about what the next contract for DeRozan is going to look like and how old he's going to be, you know, as that extension goes on, it is just a little bit of a scary sight. And I got to tell you, Jace, looking around the league, it has got to be a seller's market right now. Like there are a lot of teams in the mix. There's a lot of teams who should want to be buyers. The one caveat here is there's not a lot of tradable first-round picks available because all these teams have already moved their first-round picks. Uh, who are potentially contenders, you know, maybe you get the Kings first round pick for Caruso. Uh, You know, that could be good. They're two games over 500 right now. Uh, Yeah. I would just maybe try to do a half reset because the bulls as presently constructed, I do think they can make a run at the sixth seed. I do think, you know, they could possibly give a competitive first round series if they get the right matchup. I mean, hell they might be able to win a series. It's possible. I'm not ruling it out. As long as, Zach keeps playing the way he's been playing over the last month. He was phenomenal in December, and he's playing even better in January, so that's very encouraging. DeMar, I still think, is awesome, for sure. And I don't know what the team would do without his steady hand in late-game offense. And Caruso, like I said, you know, everyone loves Caruso because he does things that shouldn't be possible on defense. But, man, I just like the idea of selling high on some of these guys when your upside is a bit capped. With the end, you know, you might get the added improvement of getting uh, some ping pong balls in the mix, too. Like maybe being able to jump up into the lottery during a uh, time when the odds are flattened for the lottery. And you have two generational prospects sitting at the top of this draft. Wimbadiyama isn't even generational. He's like, you know, once in a lifetime. So... Yeah, I think they got some decisions to make, but what I expect the Bulls to do is nothing, which I'll be mad about (laughs) when they do nothing. I don't really think that they're going to do anything because they didn't do anything at the trade deadline last year, and it's a bit disappointing, but last thing I'll say on this, Jace, it is fun to watch a team where every game matters, even if they don't have much upside or much of a ceiling for this build. Like We went through a lot of years where they were getting the seventh pick every year. That sucked. It's like the only day we were waiting for was the lottery. And even then, like, their chances weren't exactly maximized in the lottery. So it is cool to, like, look at this stretch of the next 12 games and be like, well, fuck yeah, let's win nine of them, right? Like, the games actually do have real stakes attached to it, and that's cool. Uh, upside might not be there. You talk yourself into running it back next year. Lonzo comes back, you know. A lot of what this team needs can be provided by Lonzo, just with his volume three-point shooting, his defense. But is Lonzo really going to be the same guy after he misses, you know, a year and a half of ball? So it's a big question. Uh, Still not running, by the way. I believe Billy gave another 
quote-unquote update about Lonzo. I was like, oh, yeah, he's progressing, but he's not running. So, like, that's not an update. That's not progressing. Like, I feel like he'll actually be progressing when he's actually running and, like, able to do it. How do you... Uh, I mean, it is nice that like that they're not just like totally miserable. Like, if they would have just like to- totally gone in the shitter when they after that Timberwolves game, like the report comes out and they like totally would have fallen. And they were close to that happening. I mean, those games after the I mentioned this the other day, like those three games after uh, the Timberwolves game were at Miami and they they got they lucked out with no Jimmy and no Lowry and the Heat just fell apart in the second half. But like the two games after that was Atlanta and New York and the Bulls easily should have lost those games and like. They were on the. They were very, very close to like this season just being a total, just being totally over. I think they would have been like twelve and twenty if they lost those two games, and probably would have been cooked. But like, they have showed some resiliency here. They've been playing better lately, which I appreciate that they like. I can appreciate that they're not just totally like mailing it in because, uh, like while like we as we talked about, we would have been fine if they would have gone the blow it up tank route with where they were at, with where things were trending. The fact that they're playing better now, I mean, you could argue that maybe it's the worst thing for them. Uh, because I am I am assuming, as you said, that this stretch of ball here that they're playing, they're playing better. They should probably win a bunch of a good amount of games here coming up that the front office is not going to do much. They're not going to trade. They're not trading Zach. I doubt they trade DeMar. I almost don't think they're going to trade Vooch now either. Was he better? And they're going to be like, well, you know, we're in the playoff mix for like the sixth seed. Like, why should we trade Vooch if we don't have a better option out there? Um, I mean, Crusoe will see, which I guess in that case, if they're not going, if they're going to keep this core together, like I would hope they try to do something small to at least improve elsewhere on the roster. Because like the only problem is they just don't have many tradable salaries. Like it's basically Caruso, it's Kobe. They're not going to trade Pat, obviously. So like if there's a way, and like we talked in the last, when I was talking with Kevin on our last pod, we were trying to think of ideas on like how they could maybe retool this. Like maybe you do trade Vooch and you try to get a defensive center. We've talked about Jakob Pertle. Uh, the, the Bulls have been linked to him for a while. Like, I don't know what the Pacers are going to do with Miles Turner. Uh, I know they're trying to sign him an extension. I don't know if he actually wants to stay there. I mean, he's been playing the best basketball of his career. I would totally, I know we talked about Miles Turner last year. If he was actually available, I would totally do it because you talk about he can, there's the rim protector. He can shoot. He can do the sh- shooting that Vooch does. He's not as good of a passer as Vooch is, but like, I feel like Turner's rim protection would totally, whatever, make up for that. So like, do they look to do something like that? I'd still be surprised if it happened. And then try to get a, a more consistent shooter. Kobe's Kobe's had some decent games lately. He's hit some big shots, but I mean, still like tonight he was terrible. And I feel like he's just still too inconsistent and just you can't rely on him. Like, if you were actually going to try to win, try to get another shooter in there that you can at least rely on a bit more. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. I know his salary is a bit high, like Malik Beasley. Uh, I think Kevin talked about Pirtle and like Doug McDermott bringing McBuckets back. Like, so like I don't know. If I am starting to think that, especially with the, how they're playing lately, and how if they do start winning more games or they continue to win more games with the soft schedule up, they are not going to make any drastic changes to the score. They're going to think it's fine. Try to make this playoffs. But if they do that, they they just can't sit on their hands again. You might as well try to do something. Obviously, you don't want to go. You don't have many picks to trade, and you don't want to get rid of any too many more assets. But like that Blazers, I'm glad you brought up the Blazers. The Blazers have very quietly kind of fallen apart here. I think they're under 500 now and right on the edge of the West playing spot. Like, just trade that fucking pick, man. Like, if you can like package, I guess like Kobe, maybe some other salary in that pick for something. Like, why not? 
what do you like? Do you have any of the ideas for whatever maybe smaller upgrades they can make that wouldn't cost too much? I would have to look into it more. I think someone like you know Malik Beasley or Buddy Heald would be yeah, ideal. Yeah. Buddy Heald this year is taking nine threes a game and hitting forty three percent of them. So like like you said, the Bulls I think could upgrade their designated shooter spot, which is Kobe right now, to just shooter because Kobe is a good shooter. He's yeah. the second best shooter on the roster for sure. I think even though Pat's percentage is higher, just because Kobe can actually get him up, but you know he's not a great shooter. And he wasn't great tonight. You wonder, like, are they actually going to keep Kobe next year? Like, will Lowry Markin? Right, I don't know. Markin's success, Carter's relative success this year, convince them, like, oh, you know, there's no such thing as a bad second contract in the NBA. You gotta, you gotta hold on to your number seven overall pick in Kobe White, and I don't know what he would get. Maybe like eight, nine million a year, maybe. Uh, that scares me a little bit because I'm not really sure I've seen the improvement that you want to see from Kobe yet. Really, he's just been regressing to the mean because his start was so awful this season. Uh, and, you know, so he's basically back at his yeah. career averages after a really brutal start. Um, yeah, I don't know. They need a shooter, Jace. And I would love to see them, what they look like with a rim protector at center. Uh, Clint Capella is another guy. He's someone who doesn't stretch the floor at all. I think Capella might be a little bit washed at this point, but he could also be available uh, given the emergence of a Kongwu in Atlanta. So uh, I don't know. I'm not sure what they would do. What I would want is either high upside young players. Like if you were going to trade Caruso for Jonathan Kaminga or something, I don't think Kaminga is amazing, but at least he has upside. Uh, so I would want that, or I think even beyond that, I would just want a pick. Yeah. Just give me first-round picks, because those are just chances, you know? You could just take anyone, and maybe they'll end up being a star, right? So I would want picks, <laughs> and uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I think what the Bulls are going to do is try to make a run towards the playoffs. They should at least get in the play-in. And then I think that they will, you know, make a minor move and run this back next year with Lonzo, and that's pretty uninspiring. And we'll see if they end up signing DeRozan to a big contract. We'll see, you know, what they do with Vooch, who's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. But uh, in general, I I like watching the team. <laughs> it's like it's sort of a a weird thing to say, but I, I do. I have enjoyed watching the team. You just wish that they could, you know, get some more assets and get some more upside because right now they're an average team that isn't young, doesn't have many of its own draft picks, and doesn't have any cap space. So, what are you really doing? Right. Yeah. I mean, they at least they've been watchable. Like I, early in the year, they were not watchable. I mean, some of those games they were losing, uh, like the Magic game that I, I was at. That game it was awful. I mean. Even like the Rockets game they recently lost just was terrible. And some of those other, the Timberwolves game obviously was a complete joke. And some of those other games that they were just throwing away, like they were mostly on and the offense was terrible. I mean, they were like bottom, they were like a 20th, 21st in offense, a bottom 10 offense, despite having whatever offense first stars. Like they were just, an, they were mostly an, an unwatchable product. Uh, now the offense has come around again. They've been like a top five offense over the last few weeks. So they're at least. Uh, more co- a little more competent there. Just watching Zach Cook is o- can always be fun. Like they've been playing hard, they do, they don't give up. They've been pretty resilient. So at, like at least they're not just a total 
like loss and like misery to watch like they were earlier this season. Um, like I said, hopefully they'll at least keep it up because they, yeah, I don't think because they're not they're just not bad enough to totally like go in the tank unless they actually made a bunch of trades and that's just not happening. Like I think just, it's realistically they're not going to trade all these guys or even maybe even a couple of them. Like I think they are just going to try to keep run run this forward. So if they are going to do that. At least be competent, at least be enjoyable to watch, and it has been a bit, bit better lately, and they've picked up some huge wins. So if they do do this, go add to the team, go make some changes, try to make the team better instead of just sitting on your hands again, because that's what they've been doing the last couple, the last couple like whatever transactional periods, uh, and we'll see where they go from here. But uh, we could probably, Ricky, you have anything else? We could probably wrap it up here. Yeah. What you yeah, they will Wednesday at Washington? That's great, and that will not they'll be without Bradley Beal once again. Uh, obviously, Kyle Kuzma is having a really good season. I mean, uh, Kuzma might be on the trade market, but uh, they have Porzingis. Uh, they have, they've been playing a little bit better lately. Again, they won't have Beal because he's just hurt all the time now. But uh, so Washington coming up. Who was was it? OKC on Friday was the next one after that before Golden State. Was that right? I mean, those are yep. two games Wizards you should win, and then like gotta win those two games. Two games you should win, and then the Warriors like they're gonna have stuff back. But the Warriors are like the worst road team in the NBA this year. So I mean, three very very winnable games for the Bulls here to possibly get back to five hundred. Maybe they'll do it, or maybe they'll shit the bet again and totally just like disappoint us after we've been talking them up and how they've been better and more fun to watch. Let's hope. I guess that isn't the case, or maybe if you just want them to totally fall apart, maybe that you do want to see that happen. But we will see. Uh, that's going to do it for us here at Cast Considerations HI Wolves Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll probably be back sometime next week in this pod. If you didn't hear the whole thing, this will be up on our feeds. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all those good places. Follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. You can follow Ricky at SBN underscore Ricky. And we are part of the Blue Wire Network. So once again, Bulls lose tonight to the Celtics. DeMar gets hurt. Seems like he's been playing through this injury. We'll see if this knocks him out for any period of time, but hopefully not. Uh, Hopefully he's back soon. So take it easy, everybody. Have a good night. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.